The following is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Chorus Entertainment. This is Hi-Fi Radio with Wolfgang Klein and Jack Hardell. Toronto's News, Today's Talk, 640 Toronto. You get a fast car. I want a ticket to anywhere. Maybe we make a deal. Welcome in to Maybe the show, my good friends. Saturday night, Tracy Chapman. That is such a beautiful piece of music indeed. It is just to tee up our first guest. His name is George Generikis. He's an analyst with Canaccord. Covers some of the hottest names uh, out there. Uh, global leader, I'd say, Tesla. Uh, also covers Generac, uh, interesting space. Uh, Tesla just came out with their quarterly results. Uh, I reported them on air yesterday, my little micro radio work I do on a daily basis. And uh, stellar, stellar revenue, twenty, just under $25 billion in Tesla's sold. And, so, you know, it, it took time, what, about 10 years or so? Uh, at which point, here we are today, driving up the Don Valley Parkway uh, a couple weeks ago, uh, in each of the lanes uh, beside me and in front of me were Tesla. I saw three Teslas all side by side. Uh, now it's here to stay. Um, so, George, going through the Morgan Stanley report uh, on Tesla, uh, they had a few key um, takeaways, uh, and one that really caught my surprise that uh, Tesla is also a AI uh, theme, uh, you know, quite prominently uh, discussed on the analyst calls. So I want you to talk about their AI involvement, uh, the Cybertruck. Uh, anticipating it to hit the market. They just, I think, announced uh, recently that they're just beginning production of the first uh, vehicle. Um, so please share with us the latest on uh, Tesla. Yeah, so uh, thanks for having me on, uh, everyone. Yeah, we've been uh, talking about this Tesla AI angle for a while. So I, I think that we've been ahead of the curve and we're getting our research uh Taken from other places, so I'll give I'll give Canaccord a little pat on the back there. No good for uh, you. <laughs> uh, so, with regard to Tesla and what they said on the call and the, the AI angle, look, the AI angle here is related to autonomous driving, and what the company has done over the last several qu- few quarters, and is still impacting results, is that they've decided to. Uh, surrender near-term profitability uh, for the sake of long-term profitability mm-hmm. by seeding the market with units and by basically prioritizing units over profits in the near term. They're putting more vehicles on the road with the hopes that those vehicles will eventually uh, pen- be penetrated with autonomous vehicle software. That's a $15,000 upgrade. And in order to enable autonomous vehicle software, which is getting literally getting better day by day, you have to build this AI infrastructure. You have to take in data from the road, analyze it, train your system, and that requires a lot of compute. Uh, and Tesla is one of the leading companies in the world in in making autonomous vehicles happen. So by, by putting the, these vehicles on the road, they have a razor, razor blade model that will eventually, we think, result in much higher profits over time. They're also deciding to spend money in the near term on things like robotics, 
and also uh, battery technology. Tesla is vertically integrated, right? So they're doing all the way up to autonomous vehicle software and AI and all the way down to you know uh, mining and refining materials. So this is literally the definition of vertical integration and they've been in and they've been doing this for some time. Let's talk about the joint ventures uh, that Tesla has and is engaged with. I was recently in the beautiful country of Portugal. I cannot overstate how beautiful the people of Portugal are as a, such a lovely country. But uh, it's funny when I travel in Europe, I often see some of the coolest cars that you just don't see so readily here in North America. Uh, fleets of Mercedes-Benz electric vehicles, uh, the ES5, ES3 as well. Uh, and I was told by the owner of that, that uh, the, the, the construction of that product very much was a JV with Tesla. Um so this notion of open source sharing uh, with global partners seems to be taking place, but then you throw China into the equation, and there's always that you know wall of worry: Are we giving away too much? Uh, where is this road going to take us? So again, on a both macro level and a company level, can you please speak to that, George? Look, uh, the JVs you might be referring to are the open sources. Very recently, Tesla decided to uh, open up its charging infrastructure, and other companies have decided to use something called the NACS adapter from from Tesla, which means that their cars will eventually be able, their EVs will be able to uh, leverage the Tesla supercharger network, which is significantly more ubiquitous than other public chargers. And by the way, much, much, much more reliable, right? So just by changing that adapter, <laughs> or uh, in, in the EVs, you can leverage that network. Now, uh, what Tesla has going for it and what Rivian has going for it, and I don't think traditional auto OEMs have going for them, is that they've built these vehicles from the ground up. And, and that means that you basically, for the most part, for a lot of these upstart EV companies, built software at a systems level, i.e. the braking software. The, the motor software, these are all developed in-house. So what is, who cares? Like, what does that mean practically? Well, yeah. it means that if you have an over-the-air update, that'll literally change the look and feel and performance of your vehicle. Many years ago, in 2018, uh, Consumer Reports downgraded the Tesla Model 3 and said the brakes aren't working well, so therefore we can't recommend this vehicle for consumers. And so what Tesla did is, okay, we'll be right back. We're going to update the brakes over the air. And it was a rabid debate on CNBC and other uh, industry rags. There's no way Tesla can upgrade its vehicles over the air. Well, they did. And all the naysayers were proven wrong. And the reason why they were able to do that is because not only do they have the software, did they, did they create and code the software that controls the entire vehicle, almost like the operating system, but also the systems that uh, control the individual systems in the vehicle. Rivian's has done the same thing. And very recently, Ford CEO did a really interesting interview that he did. said, look, I'm buying software from about 100 different suppliers, and it's really tough to integrate this stuff. So if you want to go fix the brakes for your Ford the same way Tesla did over the air, you have to go to the dealer. Ah. That's, a, that's the major difference between starting from the ground up and working uh, with a clean sheet of paper. And when, when we think about the, the next call it 10 years of the way the EV market's going to work out, we're of the strong opinion that it's going to look a lot like the Hansett market did, i.e., 
the traditional vendors that come from Europe and the U.S., i.e., like, remember the Nokias, Motorola's, Ericsson's of the world? Well, they're going to kind of, sort of, for all intents and purposes, lose market share in a big way. And the companies that will emerge and dominate are upstarts, like Apple at the time, like Tesla and Rivian, and Chinese companies. And the world will likely be dominated by a combination of U.S. and Chinese uh, EV companies. Let let me ask you about that question. How good are the Chinese at producing electric vehicles? We're seeing better adoption rates in China uh, in the EV market. Um, And I'm hearing... And reading a lot that they really do understand EV manufacturing. Uh, do, can you validate that? So I was a little bit skeptical about Chinese EVs. I got to ride in a couple over the last year, and they're really, really great. Mm-hmm. I was so impressed with the, the look and feel and the build quality. They're starting to penetrate Europe. It'll be interesting to see if they ever penetrate the U.S. for obvious reasons, but I was really impressed with it. We don't cover these stocks, right? But just from a consumer perspective, just stepping in them and and getting a good feel for them, they were really great. And uh, I would it's hard to be skeptical that they'll figure this out over the long term. You know, there's so much to talk about, uh, this whole notion of open source as well, so that everyone can participate in the programming, uh, is really what built Microsoft uh, and, and its leg up. Uh, and you recently just heard a joint venture between Google and Meta that they are going to uh, work, uh, I guess, on their AI chat uh, work uh, collectively. I don't know, it's, again, you, you just see these big global partnerships take place. Uh, and... You know, the incumbent, you know, opening themselves up to potential competition, of course, uh, causes people every now and then to raise their eyebrows. Uh, but the world is flat, my good friends. The show is Hi-Fi Radio. We're on with a brilliant analyst, uh, George Anarakis. Of course, Jack Hartle, my partner, by my side. Uh, lots to talk about with George, but we've got to pay some bills around here. Uh, terrestrial Radio lives, my good friend. It's all about money, my good friends. Please stay tuned. Turn up your radio. We'll be right back. Don't go anywhere. There's more Hi-Fi Radio in a moment on 640 Toronto. You're listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Chorus Entertainment. Welcome back to the show, my good friends. It's about money. George Generakis is on the line with us. He's an analyst with Canaccord. He covers uh, Tesla, Rivian, uh, Generac, Wolf Speed, Fluence, uh, very much in the electrification uh, space. Did you know that Apple is now a $3 trillion company and that one company is worth more than all of the stocks that trade on the Toronto Stock Exchange, the entire TSX is worth less than Apple. Did you hear what I, that, that's that's incredible, um, Jack? Mr. Co- or excuse me, Mr. Jobs Steve left this left this plus Steve. He uh, left us uh, in 2011, and time does fly. Uh, you and I both guessed it was five years ago. Um, He's the man. He was the man. As he was the as, inventor, as, as, as Elon Musk 
is the man. Uh, he was the man. And there was a lot of skepticism as to what and where the company would go from there. Because uh, he, he saw that stock. He had that company down at a dollar a share, two bucks a share. He was down on the mat for a period of time, scrapping and scrapping, scrapping the PC market. And then all of a sudden, out comes this, this, this telephone, uh, at which Motorola and Research Emotion were dominant players. He said, really? This is going to... Well, that's the, example, big, that's the example that George has given us. But, but so how, how much value has Apple appreciated since um, Steve left this yeah, planet? Yeah, we looked at a chart, and when he passed away, it was around, a, I think it was a $500 billion company. So It's now $3 trillion, so six-fold. Company up six-fold under the helm of uh, Mr. Tim But I, I will Cook. say that when Steve Jobs left, the, the driver of that business was already invented. So you had the iPhone had been launched yep. and now basically they've taken that product and obviously leveraged it, continue to leverage it into the, I'm going to say the greatest consumer brand in the world right now. Anyways. In, indeed. And indeed. maybe, uh, maybe George has something to say about Tesla. Maybe they're a better brand, but uh, for the time being, I think that the iPhone is the king. Hey, you know what we did, George, by the way, um, we used, we in our office, we were, we're constantly thinking and outside the box and inside the box as well. Uh, but we said, let's use chat GPT uh, to tell us what it believes are the world's 100 top brands. And the reason I, I, I requested that is Jack and I believe in buying best in breed leaders, world brands, um, moats, and sustainability. That's how we build portfolios. And of course, then we rotate through that. But every stock we own, regardless of direction, the company itself is good. It's just a question of are they in favor or out of favor. And Tesla right now, of course, is hotter than hot. Um, but I don't think Tesla made the uh, Global 100, did it? It did not, Jack, make our Global 100 list yet as a brand. Uh, it will. Uh, 100%. What do, you, what do you think, George? Uh, all Jack and I just shared with you. Look, you know, I, I think there's a lot of room for Tesla's uh, brand recognition to grow oh. globally. I mean, Apple is a global company yep. uh, with, a, you know, many hundreds of millions of devices sold. Two billion uh, installed users with Apple. Two billion installed users. A, hundred, 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 a billion phones and a billion laptops and PCs. It's huge. Uh, I mean, huge installed base. Obviously, a lot of room for Tesla to grow there. But the difference between... I think there's actually more brand recognition in Elon Musk than there is in Tesla. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, well, what was his uh, most recent more, tweet you know, this week? What, what do you say that moved markets a little bit? He was up to something last couple of days. Well, he's been talking about the economy and how it's been a very challenging. No, no, no. He said he was talking about the grid. He made a prediction, and George, you know this. He made a prediction about I think the grid um, basically being tapped out in a year and transforming stations requiring an upgrade within two years based on forecasted demand. Uh, things things moved around because we own a couple power stocks, Jack and I, um, George. We own Eaton and we own Qantas Systems. Are you familiar with both companies? I don't know much about them, no, unfortunately. Yeah, they're basically involved in creating the, the, the grid and electrification of the universe. Uh, so basically a bunch of hardware being wired up. Um, nonetheless, the, the, the stocks are working. Um, what, hey, what, what would you say? So you say that uh, Elon Musk is the brand. What do you think, um, George, of him as a, a businessman versus an inventor? Because like, like we said. Good question. You know, Tim Cook. Obviously, he Good was. You know, he's a great businessman, business and he, they certainly put Apple in the right hands after Steve Jobs passed away. Yep. Would Tesla be better off run by more of a, a businessman as opposed to? I'm going to say Elon Musk is really an inventor. Good question. Uh, I, I would say no. 
look, he's obviously um, created or caused some agita on the part of investors over the last you know decade or so. But you know, the proof's in the pudding. He's taken the company from nothing to something. <laughs> he's a, he's a a the richest man in the world, so we'll start with that. A lot more than something. He's know? the richest man in the world, eh? I, I always so. forget it depends that. What the Is price that true, of, George? It depends on the, the price of Tesla. Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Wow. <laughs> he is, yeah. I mean, as of the last time I saw, yes, he was. And, um, you know, he's obviously competing against NASA, you know, and done something incredibly special with SpaceX. So uh, people just kind of discount him because of the way he tweets or the things that he says. But um, I, I would rather have no one else at the helm of Tesla than him. I, I'm with you. Um, is the stock fully loaded in here? It looks, uh, you know, it's basically hitting up against price targets. It's ahead of um, uh, Morgan Stanley's price target. Uh, is there any more room for it in the short term? You think she's a little stretched and due for a bit of a pullback, George? Look, look the reality, our price target is 293. It's buy rate in stock. Um, it, but the reality is on their conference call, just to kind of talk about what, what happened to stocks down a little bit today. No. Uh, first of all, it had a huge run this year. Massive. I you know, I would I would say that you know, in in discussions with investors yesterday, uh, they were non-committal around the near term direction of gross margins. And when companies hear things that are, or, I'm sorry, investors hear things that are non-committal, they tend to get a little nervous. Hmm. And you know, he made it plain, uh, very uh, plain that the overall auto market is erratic. You know, our word, not his. Uh, but he said something to the effect of one day I think the world's ending based on the data we see. The other thing, the other day I think it's fine. So, you know, in, the massive increase we've seen in interest rates over the last several months is obviously impacting the auto market, obviously impacting demand. And so, in yeah. the face of those challenges, the companies decided to cut prices and feed the market with units, like we talked about. Yeah. But you know, they made that plain, the very painfully clear yes on yesterday's call that these are the things that they're seeing in the marketplace and i believe we believe that they didn't want to necessarily commit to you know a bottoming of gross margins to leave themselves room just in case the market got worse to cut prices again and continue to 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 uh, use that lever to push more market uh, units in the marketplace so that's what i think the markets are in has had a big run and you know expectations were you know, reasonably high and i think that's what happened to the stock today so, the, so they left the, the door open for cutting prices in a soft economy, George. Um, can you talk about their pricing model? Um, they already have cut prices. Uh, they're, they're really competing. I think Ford actually came out on the F-150 and cut prices this week too. Can you maybe talk to you know how the dealer network on a traditional uh, automan- automotive company uh, prices their product versus Apple or versus Tesla? Sure. You know, I mean, Elon Musk has made this point in the past, so I'll take his words. Uh, Dealers cut prices all the time. You just don't know it because they're not transparent about it, right? If the market's very tight, you go ask for a discount to MSRP, you're not going to get it. And if the market's loose, you know, and demand is not that great, then, you know, you'll, you'll get butter, much better uh, negotiating leverage when you walk into a dealership. So that's effectively how, you know, dealers cut prices on vehicles. The Tesla model is much more transparent. But what you see is what you get. You go to the website, you order your vehicle, you know, uh, you get the incentives from the Inflation Reduction Act if you're in the U.S., and that's that. You know, so there's a lot more transparency. I think people like that. I mean, we'll talk about something that creates agita, you know, going to the dealership and negotiating a price if you want to buy a new car is not something I'd like to do. Um, and so when you're buying a vehicle from Tesla, 
The price is the price. And so based on that transparency, they have to adjust prices in real time and with, you know, and visibly to investors and to the world. Uh, you know, traditional auto companies don't have to do that. Uh, George, I want to pivot over. We got a couple minutes left. Another stock that we own uh, is Generac. Uh, friends, you know what Generac is. And if you don't, well, they back up generators. And if you drive around Toronto, you will see them beside several people's homes. Uh, as you know, the grid is getting older, and every now and then we get a power outage. Uh, if you have any kind of uh, sump system on your house, highly recommend it to get yourself a Generac to back up that sump because you don't want a flood in your house. Uh, it's, a, it's I'll tell you an amazing story, um, George. I donated some of my personal Generac to Covenant House when it was $500 a share. And so the government gave, or Covenant House gave me a $500 per share. I, I gave them several shares, uh, but they gave me a $500 per share uh, donation slip, uh, which I was then allowed to fully claim. Uh, and as such, basically half of that money came back to me, uh, I eat 250 bucks from the 500 I gave, gave back, came back to me in, in, in my, my tax return. And the irony is I went and bought the stock back at a buck and a half. So, so my tax return <laughs> it was two fifty, and I went and bought uh, Generac back. Actually, I think we paid about 140 for it recently. So the thing got crushed. It went from 500 down to a hundred. Looks like it's based and has turned the corner a wee bit. Uh, supply chain was a big problem with Generac, uh, uh, COVID overselling the system or stocking the system. Uh, then they couldn't get parts. Then inflation pushed their uh, their parts up and they couldn't pass on to consumer yet. So, so where are we at now with Generac in your opinion? Is it trend to turn uh, back for the better? Because they are the world leader in backup generators. Well, I, I think you've characterized the situation very well and we think it has turned the corner. Uh, the company... Um, had a significant inventory issue, i.e., you know, demand was really, really good after COVID, and people, in our opinion, sort of double, triple ordering, and so they shipped all these generators into the channel, and suddenly supply got better, demand wasn't as good, and you had this major backup in the system. And they've been working through that now for a, a few quarters. And so we think that uh, that the company's well through that process. Inventories are clearing in real time. And underlying demand remains good. And the best indicator for underlying demand are outages, which you can track every day on the Generac website. We do it. Every day. <laughs> really, and, eh? Uh, the Generac website yeah. does that. That they're smart. I like that. That's funny. Yeah. Well, it makes it makes perfect it sense. Totally who's, makes sense. Who's going to buy a generator? Well, I just have my power out. Now I'm going to buy the generator. Yeah, but I don't need to follow them. I don't need to follow their website. In fact, it won't. It won't show. It's the power's gone out. How can you go to their website and see if a power outage is coming? You got no power. No, we track them across the United States. Yeah, no, I understand. Uh, I, I'm just having fun. Yeah. Uh, but, but the point yeah. is, Wolf, it's like it's like you buy insurance after you already had the right. Accident, that's right. That's the problem. That's the problem. Yeah, yeah. But you so you want to do stuff like that in advance. It's a macro theme, my good friends. Uh, the world of EV is here to stay, and it is a secular, uh, long-trending. And as such, uh, Jack and I intend on participating on the upside of these investment themes. Uh, George Enriquez, uh, can't thank you enough for your intellect. Uh, talking Tesla, talking Generac, and uh, Fluence. Uh, fascinating, fascinating discussion. We're going to take a quick break and head over to Latin America, hang out with uh, Jamie Carrasco. Uh, he's an advisor at Canaccord, uh, very much focused on uh, currency, gold, uh, alternative assets, uh, it's a lot of fun. Uh, stay tuned. Don't go anywhere. There's more Hi-Fi Radio in a moment on 640 Toronto.
You're listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Chorus Entertainment. Welcome back, my good friends. Hi-Fi Radio, show about money. Yeah, it was Chrissy. Uh, she passed away from Fleetwood Mac, right? The, the, the singer beside... Um, beside... Uh, I know the name too. Well, oh, what's I her name? Oh, I'm gone brain dead here. Work with me, people. Give me a call. Someone help me out here, would you? <laughs> <laughs> call a friend. Um, what is her name? Who's, who sings for Fleetwood Mac? The lead singer, lead, lead vocalist. What's I'll her get name? it for you. No, no, the lead vocalist. Come on, you don't need to think. Help me out, Jack. Producer, you know? Stevie Nicks. Thank there you. you go. There you go. Stevie Nicks. And so, uh, That's where we call Jamie. So, so singing beside Stevie, of course, the, the original vocalist for the band, because Stevie joined the band after. I think her name was Chrissy. Am I wrong? Yes, you're right. I'm right. Thank you, Jamie. Jamie Carrasco. We're going to have to get you in the studio to sit by my side when we're tuning up the tunes. Uh, Jamie is a uh, portfolio. You are not good for you. We got a great song lined up for you next. We got a our Colombian friend that just uh, came into town. He uh, has got the uh, next tune lined up. But what's the name of the next band? That... Don't know. Uh, Richie Ray, Bobby Cruz. What is it? Richie Ray and Bobby Cruz. Did he did he catch a Richie Ray, Bobby Cruz? Cruz, yeah. Cruz. Do you know that one, Jamie? No. It's, really. it's Latin America from Colombia. <laughs> hey, you're gonna like it. You're gonna like it. It's got a little salsa feel Shakira. to it. Chucky, you'll love it. Uh, indeed. Um, before we get into the market and all your talk about debasing, de-dollarization, Jamie, um, it's going to be fun, but, uh, you know, uh, some of some, some, some you out there are going to really, really like it. Uh, others are going to say, what is he talking about? Um, and I'm sort of in, in, in that camp. <laughs> what is he talking about? But uh, you know what matters, my good friends? The most important thing, if you want to be wealthy, you got to work and you got to save consistently. I want to go through the math again before we get into the details of gold and silver and Bitcoin and crypto. $1,000 a month. I think everyone, you need to minimally try to hit $1,000 a month in savings. That's 250 bucks a week. That's about, uh, I don't know, 35 $40 a day. Uh, some people spend that at Starbucks alone. Uh, you must cut back if you need to save. And you need to start building wealth early. Let me go through the math with you. It's so important. If you just buy the broad stock market, the North American stock market, uh, over 50 years, it tends to go up by about 9, 10%. Let's play with nine on the conservative side. The S&P does about 11, by the way, and the Toronto market probably do about nine. So let's play with a nine handle. It's an aggressive number, but if you own quality blue chip stocks and you stick with them for decades, this is sort of what you should expect as a, as a return. And again, you can also expect, you know, 35 to 50% drawdowns. doesn't matter. You're in it for the long haul. Uh, you got to sign up for this. The sooner the better. $1,000 a month after one year, you'd have yourself about $12,800 and you put 12,000 in. Not that exciting. After 10 years, uh, you put in 120 grand and your account would be worth 167. Not bad. Uh, so 10 years, you got 167, but it starts to get interesting. Just after 20 years, after, at 24 years, Jamie, do you know how much money you'd have at 24 years? After 10, you have 167. At 24 years, how much money do you think you'd have put aside? Thousand bucks a month, 9%, 9% rate of return. 24 years. Million bucks. How much? Two million. You're aggressive. Uh, one million. Um, Thirty-one years, Jamie. Thirty-one years gets you to two million. And here's where it gets interesting. People, listen to what I'm about to say to you. Ten years, you got 167 thousand. At one thousand a month, nine percent rate of return done every month. Ten years, 167. Twenty-four years, 
one million. So if you start at 40, 64, you should have a million. Uh, if you start at 20, you're 44 with a million. Huh. All right. At 31 years of doing it, you're at 2 million. How long, Jamie, do you think it takes you to get to 3 million? I'll answer it for you. It takes you four years. So it takes you 24 years to get to your first million. And then it can take you as little as three years, four years to get to the second million. Well, it goes 24 years to get to one, 31 years to get to two, 35 years to get to three. And by the way, after 40 years, Jamie, you had $4.6 million. So friends, you want a retirement plan? It's as simple as this. You leave school at 25 and you save Every single month, $1,000, generate a 9% return. And on your own, I don't think you're going to do it. You need to hire people like Jack and I to get you to that 9%. Trust me on that because most retail investors don't even come close to that number because they do the wrong thing at the wrong time all the time. How's that, Jack? Wrong thing, wrong time, all the time. It's they true. do. It's so true because uh, they buy the front page. They don't, yeah, well, they trade on their emotions as well. well yeah, which the, is, their emotions ends up being front page. But the, the question for Jamie is, in so 30 years... You said $3 million, 35 years, $3 million. Yep. In 35 years, Jamie, <laughs> what is that dollar worth? Oh, that's a good point. And 35 years. I'll tell you what the number is. Uh, it's about half. It'll be worth about half. Purchasing power will be about half. 35 or years. Or not less. Or if, if not less, it could be. But that's all the more, all yeah. the more important. You know, people, again, are thinking they can do this by buying GICs at 5%. Taxes and inflation, no, you're going to lose purchasing power. You need to make almost a, 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 almost a double-digit return. 9%, I think, is a reasonable number. Uh, Jack and I, we've compounded for clients in the last two, 20 years just over 10%. Yeah. Net, net, and I was going to say, when, when we do run financial plans for clients, oh, part of that process is when we build in what their lifestyle expectancy is. Yeah. What what are they looking to spend in their retirement? Yeah. We also have to add inflation into that as well. So, 100%. You know, if you're making, if you expect to spend... Hundred thousand dollars a year, you know, a year in your first year of retirement. Yeah, uh, it's going to be meaningfully more in your twentieth year of retirement. It, it'll be over double. Yeah, it'll be over double. Um, approximately three three percent inflation. Loss, Correct. Purchasing power loss. Yeah. Of the money, it's exactly why I like gold and silver. <laughs> you know, uh, gold uh, peaked out at around. Nineteen fifty, two thousand dollars an ounce, and in what two thousand eight, two thousand nine, financial crises, mm-hmm. uh, and here we are, ten, twelve years later, and it's back just above that level, paying me no dividends. And if I own the gold bars, I had to store them somewhere, lug those clunky little things around. Uh, the GLD, my good friends, is what I would buy. Jamie, not as not as keen on the GLD, but anyways, gold does look interesting, Jamie, and the U.S. dollar. According to the basket, the Dixie looks pretty darn weak. And Jack, I'm glad you pointed out to me this week. I want to thank you for that. Because uh, the Canadian dollar, U.S. cross, they call it, not as dramatic, but the Dixie broke 100. Um, Jamie, I'm going to give you about 60 seconds to talk about the direction for the U.S. dollar. Uh, how long is it going to take to get to zero, in other words, according to you? Well, I think the bigger, the bigger issue is even Ray Dalio, one of the top money managers out of Wall Street three years ago, said, um, because his clients were complaining that he was buying gold assets. And he said, if you don't own gold, you don't know history or, or economics, mm. right? And the, what he was talking about was the paradigm shift that is afoot. And that paradigm shift is the move to displace the U.S. dollar as the currency reserve uh, out of the world, especially with the BRICS plus 40 other nations that are coming on board with returning gold to do what it has done for 4,000 years. 
the most trustable form of money. The problem is, is that the world has lost trust on the dollar. And because of that, they are wanting to use gold again. So whether we like it or not, it's inevitable now that gold is returning to the monetary system. Jamie, I'm getting the rap from Jack uh, because he's getting the rap from the producer here. Uh, We're going to take a quick break. Jamie Carrasco, uh, one of our, no, stand by, one of our portfolio managers at Canaccord, good friend of mine. I love this guy. He was so much fun. He's very handsome too. Quick break. Get back to Hi-Fi Radio. Stay tuned. Want to make more money? Stay tuned for more Hi-Fi Radio on 640 Toronto. You're listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Chorus Entertainment. There it is. You hear the holla holla? That's the hook, that's, that's the hook. Holla holla. Uh, Richie Ray, Bobby Cruz from Puerto Rico. Um, something from my friend Jamie Carrasco. He's uh, from Chile, Latin America. Um, that is why I believe, and he will verify, that's, that is why Jamie likes gold so much because he came from a jurisdiction that uh, had no discipline uh, or has no discipline monetary when it comes to currency. Discipline. Monetary discipline. They lack it. Uh, they totally lack monetary okay. discipline. They just print, 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 and devalue. I had a Zimbabwe, a photocopy of a Zimbabwe, I think it was a million-dollar note that wouldn't buy a bed of bread, a, a, big, a loaf of bread. Um, it's, it's, it's Zimbabwe currency, I think one of the most annihilated currencies in history, if I recall, Jamie. Um this is crypto is, is crypto well. Jamie I got to ask you to help me out here. Uh honestly you do and this could be a very bare statement I'm going to make to you but um my 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 son is back from university uh, working very very hard super hard at a local golf course the poor guy's getting up at 5:30 in the morning uh rain or shine and lots of rain uh, this summer in the morning and he has to go out there and take care of the greens and uh, do what you have to do to maintain a golf course uh just around the corner for the two boys work together it's very very cute. But uh I have to confess um he's taking his hard-earned money and he's getting online and getting back in the crypto market and his latest thing was i said i said elliot how are these crypto companies they're going to do anything for you? what is going to make them go up other than demand people believing they should go up because they don't produce anything like gold they just sit there and in fact crypto's worse than gold because crypto you have to Keep the electricity running. You have to do what's called mine it because it's a big, long, live algorithm, right? It's a big mathematical formula that must keep running. Uh, and every time a transaction goes on, that has to be verified. So the 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 the, the, the algo must run. And there then there's what's called miners. So people who rent apartments and steal the electricity and let their computers just run through these algos, connect, connect it to the network. Um, but then he spoke about something called, well, no, dad, it's just the gas. It's a gasoline. I said, what? Well, that's what they call it. That's what they call it to keep it going. It's a gasoline. It's a hash rate. Well, no, he, they call it gasoline. No, it's called the said, hash rate. He said it's called the gas. Have you heard that phrase? Gasoline. <laughs> I don't know. But he, he, kids. But he means it's a hash rate. But you know what I did? I, I ran to the office and came back the next day with my compounding table. <laughs> I said, enough of the gas hash rate nonsense. $1,000 a month for 10 years is $167,000. $1,000 a month for 23 years at 9%, which is doable, is a million dollars. 
A thousand dollars a month for a thousand dollars a month for forty years at nine percent is four point seven million dollars. Can you do it? Yes. Do you want four point seven million? Yes. Discipline. Do it. I was get say started. Discipline. It's huge. Just get discipline. started. I can't but, stress this enough. But you gotta, honestly, I can't stress this stuff enough. You got to remember. Look at what's happened with Bitcoin in the last year. I mean, it's probably up seventy percent. Like is it, you talk about the Nasdaq being. And up. all the American banks are getting it. The ETFs have been passed. The SEC has cleared the way. Yeah. And the technology won't be stopped. I think we're talking about the internet, circa 95. You, you know, you know Meta, Meta's up 160% year to date. General General Electric is up 70%. I'm just talking about the broad indexes. So you no, look no, at the Nasdaq being but... up 30+, plus, and then you say, you know what? Bitcoin's up, I don't know, 70 80% at least uh, off of its bottom. So it, it, it's had a very quiet bull market. You know, people aren't talking about it in the office, well, other than Jamie. But uh, and don't forget that it's gone from zero to sixty-nine thousand. Well, no, no, incredible, no, incredible. No, if you're going to buy one, that is the one to buy, uh, without question. But even but we're not advocating for that. One. I don't oh, buy please. any. Don't buy any. You don't need it. You know, what do you say to clients about gold? You know, because you know, if you're going to buy, if you, I, I believe, Jamie, if you want some gold, buy gold. And I, the way I'd play gold, I wouldn't buy bars, but you can come down to the Scotia Plaza, you go down a big round desk and that's where they will actually physically sell you bars. That's basically the only place to do it, Toronto, the right place. Go to Scotia and they will sell you bars of gold. But forget it, I just buy the GLD. It is an ETF, it is backed by gold currency, State Street runs it, it is audited, I don't question it. There's also one in Ottawa. They have... Um, well, there's the Sprott Gold Fund. The Sprott Gold Fund. And I, I prefer the GLD because better liquidity and it's a lower fee. Because to, to store those gold bars, there is a fee. So you got to pay the divvy. It doesn't pay you. You pay it. Uh, right, Jamie? Uh, true. But there's going to come a point, like it has happened to me, that you have enough physical gold and physical silver, like cash, and now you want to invest in the sector. And that's where the opportunity lies in the I, future. I can tell you a cool story about, about acid. This, this actually I found a good friend of mine uh, was from South, is from South Africa. And uh, coming out of South Africa, uh, I believe he wanted to avoid the draft. So he came to Canada. And uh, you're not allowed to bring, uh, I'm not sure what currency he was in. Was not the RAND. It's the RAND. It's the RAND. You're not it's allowed to RAND. bring currency out of the country. Uh, for whatever reason, they don't want you to take currency out of the country. Uh, so to take wealth out of the country, uh, he got some diamonds, uh, wholesale cut diamonds, and he brought them to Canada. And then now he wants mm-hmm. to un- unleash the wealth for the diamonds. So he came down to Young and Dundas and went to all those diamond dealers, knock on these little windows and say, I got some diamonds. Would you like to bid for them? Everyone shut the door on him because they weren't doing sure stolen, what they're worth. And his father was a diamond dealer, so he actually had a good idea of what they were worth. But it, it was a lot of effort for him to sell those diamonds. And finally, he came across another gentleman, who I think was also from South Africa, and the diamond trade went down. He traded his diamonds, got his cash. But it wasn't so easy to do. Um, same with gold bars. Probably easier. But, uh, Jamie, you got your gold bars. Um, you want to sell those, you got to physically bring them down to Scotia Bank and sell them. The GLD, you can call me no, up, bang it, sold. No, Scotia Bank is out of the business. You can't do that anymore there. Are they out of the business? Oh, really? Oh, thank you. They don't do that anymore? Not for five years. Oh, really? So see, see yeah, what I know about gold? Not doing. much. I know don't buy gold stocks. They're awful. Gold stocks yeah. are awful investments. But you can go to the to the bullion dealers. There's tons in Toronto to, to, to get to get that done. You can ship it out to them in, in FedEx if you want to, and you're getting spot, not the premium. Yeah, so you're not, you're not talking Russell price. now. You're not, you're not going to Russell to get uh, gold. No, no. Uh, Toronto Gold Bullion is a good bullion. You know, they're, they're buying back bullion. Uh, you got... Uh, 
myth, whatever, in the U.S. There's, there's tons. There's, there's a lot of gold bullion dealers out there that will take your gold. But right now, the, the bigger issue is physical supply with global demand that's it's coming in because the physical inventories are going down and being drained. Same thing with, with silver. You know, the, the Silver Institute reports on, on how bad of a silver supply were. Sorry, do, do central banks sit on silver as well? And I, I, I don't got much time back. I have no time. But I want to ask you a question, Jamie. Who holds the bulk of the world's gold? Uh, and what has happened to the gold inventory overall? Like every, every ounce that's been mined. China so, has it. China has China it. China has it. How, well, what percent do you think? And then how much does the states well, have? I would imagine that the total gold supply within all central banks and available at 60,000 tons. Yeah. Okay. And I would say that about 25,000 tons of that is sitting in China. Wow. And 9,000 in the U.S. Now, we know what went to China since 08 because they were smelting it into kilo bars. So through the Perth Mint, I discovered through Macquarie uh, that um, they were, it was physical Western uh, pound bars being re-smelted into kilo going into China. So we know that 22,000 have, have left to China. They enter through the Shanghai Exchange, hmm. right? So when you look at physical inventories, it's mostly in the BRICS plus 40 nations that are looking to go into some kind of a gold standard. So in essence, they've been taking it away because they're planning on using it as, as money again. And that is the opportunity. Well, gold is flirting with an all-time high. Uh, Jamie Carrasco. And one last thing. One last important thing. Yep. Gold must be produced. Canada doesn't have any. How do you think we're going to get it if we want to trade with the world in a gold system? We're going to have to produce it first to be able to shop with the world if we go back to a monetary system, a hard-based money system. Yeah. I, I, I'm going to go back to, if I look at a 20-year or 30-year chart of uh, J.P. Morgan, Royal Bank, um, even the railways, of course, I love the rails. Uh, 20, 30-year charts, lower left, upper right, stocks all made money. And when I, I, when I look at 20-year charts of gold miners, not good. Like really, I really, really not good. Sorry? Ever since Nixon and, I wouldn't argue with you because ever since Nixon and Peg 50 years ago, the last 30 years, we've been in this debt bubble of fiat system where we're building this debt, debt, debt. So what is the net return of these markets negative of that debt, right? It's not that great. No. Because we have trillions of debt. Jamie, uh, I want to wish you a great weekend. I want to thank you for your time. Jamie Carrasco, Likewise, my brother. portfolio manager, uh, great guy, good friend of mine uh, at Canaccord, Jack Hartle, producer of the show, always uh, a treat. And indeed, thank 1000 bucks a month, my good friends, $1,000 a month. Start at 25, 9% return. S&P 500 is done about 11. It is doable. You got to start and you got to stick with it. After 40 years, you got 4.7. How long to get to a million? about 24 years. You can do it. Because you know something? Cliche, time flies. Just ask this whole fart. Have a great weekend. You've been listening to Hi-Fi Radio with Wolfgang Klein and Jack Hardell, Portfolio Managers at Canaccord Genuity Wealth Management. For questions about today's show or any questions about money, email wolfandjack at wolfgangkline.com. Hi-Fi Radio, for the love of money. Join us again next week. The preceding was a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Chorus Entertainment.